LinkedIn News. Hi, I'm Dan Roth, LinkedIn's Editor-in-Chief. Welcome to This is Working the Podcast, where my colleague Nina Melendez and I discuss a conversation I had on my video series, This is Working. Nina and I take that conversation, dissect it, and we extract our top takeaways for you, the listener. Today, we're talking about how to harness your creativity, even if you're not in the creative industry, and about why naivete is a superpower. We'll kick things off in just a minute. Stick around. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Here's Nina now. Hi, Nina. Hey, Dan. Welcome back. Thanks. It's good to see you. Yeah. Yeah. I missed you you last week. Um, I was in Park City, Utah. Nice. Snowboarding. You're a snowboarder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to call me a snowboarder is a stretch, but I do (laughs) snowboard. snowboard. Yeah, I snowboard occasionally. I, I think I'm done with skiing and snowboarding. So you went last year. I know you went last yeah. year and you talked about how you were like checking your phone on the slopes. <laughs> I was like, that should not be done. You know what? I just get too nervous out there at this point. Like I, yeah. I know too many people. I feel like the ratio of people that I know who ski and yeah. hurt themselves just keeps increasing. Yeah. And so every time I'm out there, I'm like, am I, how much Are am I doing this versus, yeah, exactly, <laughs> versus the chance of me tearing my ACL or yeah. breaking a leg or something. And so I don't know that I'm finding like, I'm just getting older, but I'm finding the risk reward of it mm. to not pay off. Do you not get a thrill when you're going down, going kind of fast and being like, wow, I'm on the edge of life and this no, is great? No, do you? That's so cool. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get that. I, I am like, whoa, th- I, this is so dumb. But I think that I would rather be, I like vacations where maybe it's warm mm. all the time, less danger, mm. and like, I can do more reading. Like a beach. A beach maybe, yeah. Okay. So that's, 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 that's where I end up. I'm uh, like, yeah. But you're a thrill seeker. I guess I am. <laughs> well, it's good to have you back. And in one piece, um, what are we talking about this week, Nina? Yeah, we're talking about your interview with John Haber, which I thought was so great. He's the co-founder of Giant Spoon, a full-service advertising agency. They established it in about 2013. And yeah, he's done some really cool stuff with how he is bringing brands to life. The reason we wanted to sit down with John was to really understand creativity and how to get the most creative ideas out of people. How do you say yes to good ideas? How do you say no to ideas that maybe aren't so great? How do you sell these ideas? And it's not just about advertising. All of us need to learn how to be creative in our jobs. So we were hoping to learn something from John about how to achieve that. I feel like especially now with AI and with tools like ChatGPT, being able to tap into your creativity is really a value prop these days. Well, especially as I think that if AI is going to change how we work and how we compete, then you're going to have to be more creative than you have ever have. Doing your job the way you've done it before is not, not going to work. It's not going to work. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So one of Giant Spoon's big campaigns was the Stranger Things campaign. And this was, we're here at the Empire State Building, which is Super apropos because the campaign was projecting the upside down world onto the facade of the Empire State Building. And when he was talking about this campaign, it sort of begged the question for me of like, when you're in a room ideating, do you just invite the creatives in there to come up with a really cool idea like this? Do you invite everyone? And then is like, is everyone a creative or is are people not all creatives? Um, and you asked him about this and here's what he had to say. We've been looking lately 
at studying creativity and sort of what we call an expansive mindset, which is about all of our people, whether they're in the creative department or other areas, thinking expansively. And that's sort of a broad way to say, what other things besides your day-to-day job can you bring into the office that's going to make us all smarter and uh, inspire something? And as we've been researching, like, what expansive thinking is, we came to some data that shows that, like, we are all creative when we're children. And then it sort of, like, gets taken out of us for various reasons. Um, And obviously people's brains work differently and some people are more inclined. But I think the creative problem solving is sort of something that's inherent in all of us. And then it's how you focus it, how you nurture it, and what your genetics will, will drive as well. But I think everyone is creative, but some people suppress it a little bit more than others. One thing, as I was doing the research to sit down with John, that really jumped out at me about this particular campaign is that at first, the people in the room were thinking about doing it on a building in Chicago. Mm. And someone at the agency was like, we can do bigger than that. We can go much bigger, more iconic. And I thought it was interesting, this idea that even the creatives in the room had scaled back their ambitions. And it took someone else to be like, no, let's go even bigger. Let's get the Empire State Building. Empire State Building had never done anything like this before. So they had to sell it to this iconic building to do. And it worked. And that was part of the whole experience. Hmm. Do you believe that no idea is a bad idea? No, I think there's tons of bad ideas. (laughs) (laughs) I think the question is more, I think the secret is learning how to pivot from bad ideas, mm. learning not how to make people feel embarrassed mm. when they have bad ideas. So, yeah, I think there's terrible ideas. But I'm thinking about your question in the, in the role of someone who's trying to lead a team to come up with new ideas. Right. You've got to find a way to f- make people not feel like their idea is a bad idea so that they can spin their way to an actual good idea. Right. Yeah. So you can say things like, well, let's, let's expand on that. Yeah, exactly. You Interesting, know? yeah. I see where you're going with that. Mm-hmm. Could we do it in this direction? Yeah, yeah. I, I think there are lots of bad ideas, but as a leader, you don't have a monopoly on the good ideas, and you mm. don't have a monopoly at all on what are bad ideas. So you do have to have some humility to think just because you think it's a bad idea doesn't mean it is necessarily a bad idea. Mm-hmm. So I do like to also leave room to hear what other people in the room say about whether something is a bad idea or not. Even if I react bad, and I just had this happen to me last week in a meeting where someone mentioned something, and I instantly thought it was a bad idea. I still think it's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. But as soon as this person suggested the idea, mm-hmm. I shot it down. Mm. And I regretted doing that. But you know what else is actually, I think, a good thing is to be okay not hitting the goal, being okay pitching a bad idea. It's like making a mistake. It's like you got to be comfortable making mistakes. Yeah. You're, you're never going to stop making mistakes. Totally. Right. So in the same way, like you, not all your ideas are going to be great. Right. How do you get comfortable with just tossing out a bad idea? Yeah. Like, hey, Dan, I think that one day in our podcast, we should do it all in song. Right. Yeah. It's, I think that's an interesting <laughs> idea. And I think where you're going with that is we should be coming up with new ideas for the podcast. Maybe not song versions, though. So, you know, one thing that John talks about is changing perspectives, right? And I think this kind of comes with this idea of when you're pitching ideas, what's a good idea, what's a bad idea. How do you change your perspective on something? How do you make sure that you're getting new information into your brain to sort of expand how you see things? The only thing that I do is the thing I do in every situation, which is I ask questions. Hmm. So I try to understand why someone is saying, if something is so foreign to me that I'm like, I don't even understand why you would come up with that idea or how that would work, I try to get to the root of 
the problem this person is trying to solve. Hmm. If an idea is totally new to me, mm-hmm. it usually means this person who's pitching it has already lived that experience. They've thought about it a ton. Now, I think the hard part is sometimes, especially if you're a leader, it can feel like you're being critical. When you're asking those questions, it can feel like maybe you're shooting ideas down or you're questioning how smart they are or why they're even thinking it. Whereas for you, you're just trying to get their perspective. Yeah, I just want to catch up to them. I'm like, oh, you know something. I'm like trying to understand what you know. So you're someone who seeks someone else's perspective to expand your own perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think we've all got to be doing that. I also think that it is through these other perspectives that creativity emerges. Creativity isn't about you being locked in your head and coming up with fanciful ideas. Creativity is always the interplay between you and other people. It's not a solo sport. So this idea of can anyone be creative, I think of it less as someone being creative as can you make a room creative? Hmm. Can you get people to riff off each other's ideas, to lower their guard, to be willing to take something and add to it? And then you, as someone who's running a creative room, you've got to try to like keep things in line. you got to keep things on time. You have to keep people focused on what you're trying to achieve. But you have to do it without smothering the kind of creative ideas that are coming up. But I really do think anyone can be creative. Hmm. If creativity comes from a group of people bouncing ideas off of each other, you have to get these ideas out of people's head. John talked a little bit about that in our discussion. How do you get ideas out of everyone in the room? He had a very simple answer. Here's what he said. That comes down to like a, a broader sort of management question of like how to empower extroverts versus introverts. And I I think that's a great question. And in a big room, that isn't always possible. I mean, I think for me personally, I I will ask people who aren't talking like what they think and and try to create space for them, but that might not always be what they want either. So I think there's a sort of a, a role of leadership of those departments to make sure that they're getting voices from the people under them as well. I think this is an interesting conundrum that anyone who is leading a meeting can feel. It's how do you get folks to participate? And especially now over Zoom where sometimes people's camera is off, right? How do you get other people, not just the extroverts in the room, to pitch in, to speak up? I have a very strong point of view here, which is everyone has to talk in a meeting. Mm. Even if you can always go back and come up with new ideas later, you can refine your ideas But that room is the place for you to be heard. And I think that for a lot of people, it's a fear question. We all have ideas. And you can couch things in a way like, I haven't fully thought this through. My initial take is X. But you have to get your ideas out there. As a leader, you have to get people sharing their ideas because one idea launches into another idea. It's a cascading effect in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Until someone speaks, someone else isn't going to speak. You also don't want certain people dominating the room. You can get to a point where people get together in a meeting. You're like, well, Dave's always going to do this. Cheryl's going to talk here. I'm not going to say a word. It's just their show anyways. Why would I say something? Right. As a leader, you have to stop that because your job is to get all of the ideas out there. So I just want to be clear. So you're saying that... It doesn't matter if you have if you're introverted, it doesn't matter if you have certain discomforts with speaking in public. It's like this is the meeting, this, this is what you got to do. This is part of operating in the business world and you have to be sharing your voice. Your job as a leader is to make people feel comfortable doing that. Do you call on people? Absolutely. I like calling on I really like calling on people out of the blue. Mm. What do you think about this? First of all, it means people have to actually be participating and paying, and paying attention, attention in the meeting. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm a big fan of doing that, but I know other people don't like it. Mm. I don't actually like it when people do it to me in meetings, but I do think it's it's a good thing to know when you go into these meetings 
that you could get called on? I'm sort of in line with you, Dan. Like, this is kind of the job. If this is the job, then you, you have to do it. You have to figure out a way to do it. So, for example, in my department, we have a pitch meeting for a series that we have. And it's, let me tell you, it is the nicest pitch meeting. You know, like, everyone's very encouraging, and it's all very, like, well, let's develop this idea. And some of the producers were saying, like, oh, it's really intimidating to pitch you know, and everyone's weighing in. And I said, okay, well, let's think of ways that we can make it less intimidating. But then I also followed up with, by the way, this is a great learning opportunity. Take advantage of the fact that you're pitching in a room that's really friendly and warm and welcoming and work that muscle. Because the next place you go is probably not going to be all that nice. Like I remember, and I'm sure you do too in journalism, pitching ideas and having someone be like, no, that's shit. Or, you know, that's a horrible idea. Why would you say that? You yes. know, and you just have to work that muscle like, okay, cool, then I'll just go back to the drawing board. Yeah, I totally agree. The other part is, um, you know, not everyone has to be creative in the same way in meetings. So I'll give you an example. It's one better of the things, if they're not. Yes, I agree. In fact. And so you can use people to, one of the things I remember years ago, we would do things like you needed creativity in headline writing. Hmm. But not everyone is great at headline writing. But what I like to do is give other people in the room or over email a list of five headlines to say, which one of these would you click on? Hmm. And even if you are not creative at all, you're bad with words, knowing what you would click is meaningful. Mm -hmm. And then usually people would then come up with their own ideas like, well, if you change it to this or this, then I would click on it more. That was great. That was super helpful. You get some creativity out of it and everyone is participating. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, more on my conversation with John Haber. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. And we're back. You know, when we're younger, it is much easier to do crazy things because you don't even know the constraints. You don't know what's possible and what you shouldn't be doing. John talked about this in our conversation. He called naivete a superpower. Let's hear what he had to say. If you've been doing this for a long time, this is a danger that I have or that our more senior people have who, who actually have some level of experience now, you go, well, we thought of that 10 years ago and we couldn't do it. Or they'll never do that. Or what, like, that's not possible. Like that, sometimes that experience is what works against you. And sometimes being so naive that you say, what if we did that? And you don't have, well, we tried to project on the Empire State Building in 2003 and they said no effing way. But that might prohibit you from calling and like and saying, what about now? The technology has changed. The owners have changed. This has changed. So I think that naivete as a superpower is a critical tool in business and uh, trying to keep some of that naivete even as you become more senior and more experienced. So how do you do it? 
um, I, I maybe a little cognitive dissonance <laughs> to sort of uh, find like as, for me, it's not saying no to to ideas that I think are not realistic. Um, we create a culture around, we call them spoonshots, and we'll have like a Slack channel for just spoonshots, and it could be things you're not even working on, just like you know who our clients are, or maybe even if they're not our client, what crazy ideas do you have? Put them in this Slack channel, we'll look at them, we'll maybe figure out, that one's so good, let's just go see if we can talk to someone about it. But it's that that's a cultural thing of like thinking that way. Um, and then sometimes you do have to dial it back because you have to have a budget at some point and the ideas have to work within the budget. A lot of times, especially in the experiential business, a client will say, well, if the idea is good enough, we'll find the money. And that's a dangerous one for a creative process because then you're like, you don't have any sense of what ballpark you're playing in. Um, but in the case of the example you just gave where you're like coming with an idea that is within the realm of what you think is realistic and then having the client say, go further, that's like a dream. And then as soon as you have that conversation, then sort of the gloves are off and you can really, really push it. You know what this made me think about immediately? That story about the Berkeley grad student. He was studying mathematics or theory or something. I think he came to class late and earlier in the class, the professor had put two unsolvable equations on the board or they call them open equations, right? No one had solved them yet. And when he got to class, he just saw the equations on the board. He jotted them down. He thought it was homework. And he went back to his room and he solved it. And he like solved these unsolvable equations. And this idea of like, if, if nobody tells you something is impossible, then you don't know it's impossible. And that is what is so wonderful about being young is like you said, and we're not jaded by the nose. We don't have the constraints because we're just like, yeah, everything we can do it. Right. Like we don't know that we were told that we can't put the Stranger Things on the Empire State Building. Right. Um, you know what's funny, though, is when I think about early in my career, I didn't take advantage of that so much. I was so worried about doing things the right way and about climbing the ladder and about mm. what the rules were mm. that I spent a lot of time trying to understand the rules. Mm. And if I look back now, I wish that I'd had more... I think that my employer's would have preferred for me to spend less time thinking about how to navigate the system and more time coming up with new ideas or trying crazy things because you have the freedom of youth and you don't know, to your point, what's impossible. Mm -hmm. And I don't know whether that's just me or whether other people, I mean, does that resonate with you? I actually was kind of like that person who was like, hey, let's do this crazy thing, right? We can do it, right? So you're the snowboarder and I'm the beach I <laughs> Yeah. I feel like it goes right back to the beginning here. <laughs> yeah. I think there's space for all of it. Yeah. Because if everyone is just pitching like crazy ideas, you need some people to set boundaries, some people to have the doable ideas. You need to have the mixed bag. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, what I also like that John talked about was the value of constraints. Sorry, you don't want to be in a position where you're just a kid and everything is whimsical. This right. is a business. Right. There are constraints. And to John's point, having constraints can help you. You can be creative. It's helpful to know what the budget is mm. and what you absolutely can't do right? so that you can then be creative within those areas. So yeah. I think that it's important to understand what you are working with. Yeah, the parameters you have absolutely. to. Yeah. When I was in Japan, um, I taught at in junior high and high school. And one thing that we were told when we went in was that 
different than like Westerners, if you t- if you just give, say, and at the time, this was a while ago, a, a Japanese student a blank piece of paper and said, draw a horse, like they would kind of struggle because it would be like, well, what kind of horse and where do you put the horse? And, you know, but if you told them, draw a brown horse in a field running, then they would make the most amazing picture. And so I think that there are some people who, yes, give them the parameters, they can just be excellent. But if you just say, just do a thing, it's like, I, I don't know, you're, you're not giving me enough guidance. Well, I think it's slightly different. I think that what you're talking about is this idea of removing all creativity. You're telling someone to do exactly what it is that you want them to do. Hmm. But if you can say something like, draw me a wild horse, you know, that is running fast, like you've now set the parameters, but you haven't told them exactly what it is that you right. want them to do. And I think there's some value in teaching people to operate within these constraints versus draw me anything, right? Which could just shut people down. And you don't. How do you value one thing? What judge one thing against another? What John talks about what they do at Giant Spoon, which I thought was interesting, is they have a room just for super creative ideas. This idea of spoon shots, mm-hmm. a Slack channel where you can just post your craziest idea for any client, not even one you're working on. Really interesting. Helps to get just the blood flowing. You know, someone very low stakes, you just get to say, oh, I was thinking, wouldn't it be crazy if we did this? That's awesome. There's no money tied to that. It's just a slack room. Mm-hmm. But when you were sitting down trying to create something for a client, you've got to know what their budget is. Yeah. And you have to be able to translate this into business success for them. You have to so know always, what their brand is. Yeah, absolutely. You have yeah. to know all of these things about what it is they're trying to achieve. You can't just pull spoon shots out and say, we're going to do this crazy thing because they're right. going to be like, why would I spend my, my money on that? Yeah. So I like the way that he's got this. He's got room in here for creative people to have a channel for their super creativity, for their childlike wonder. But when you get in the room, you're not a child anymore. And you got to be an adult and you still have to channel some of that creativity, but you can't be fully unleashed. Interesting. What do you think? I think a really great leader leaves room for their employees to dream and dream big, right? And we talked, didn't we talk about the three, the Venn diagram of the best coworkers, have fun, get shit done, and then dream big. Exactly. Yeah. And so I th- I really think that's an important part of having not just happy employees and happy coworkers, but people f- who feel like they can self-actualize at work and even better if their self-actualization is tied with some business objective, you know? 100%. We spend a lot of time at work. Mm-hmm. And I think if you are just here going through the paces and doing things the way they've always been done... It is a recipe for boredom, boredom, drudgery, unhappiness. It's also a recipe for business failure, especially in this era we're entering where AI is going to be able to do a lot of the rote tasks that humans could only do before. Right. So the way you're going to survive and the way you're going to be able to thrive and get your company to the next level is by being creative and thinking about ideas in ways that we haven't before and pro- and coming up with new processes and concepts and pulling ideas from other walks of life. So creativity is going to become much more essential and finding ways to harness it at work is going to be something every great leader is going to have to learn how to figure out. 
I'd love to hear from listeners. How are you harnessing creativity? How do you make sure that you're getting the most out of your own brain and out of the brains of the people around you? Let me know on LinkedIn using the hashtag ThisIsWorking. You might hear your contribution on an upcoming episode. Please share this podcast episode with a friend and review it. It helps new listeners find us. If you'd like to hear the full conversation between Dan and John Haber, check the show notes. We'll link to it there. This is Working is a LinkedIn editorial production. Our production team includes Sarah Storm, Stephen Valdivia, Asaf Kidron, Taisha Henry, Max Miller, Andres Cordona, and Lolia Briggs. Joe DeGiorgi mixes our show. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Dave Pond is head of news production. Our head of original programming is Courtney Coop. I'm Nina Melendez, senior producer. And I'm Dan Roth, LinkedIn editor-in-chief. Be well and stay curious.